This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show on our Bastille Day edition those of you who are familiar with Bastille Day. Our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I get so many questions about shopping for a mortgage. But what you need to know is banks are not where the action is. I'm going to talk about where you should go get a mortgage. And also, there's been a lot of debate about our digital histories coming back to bite us years, even decades later. I'll talk about that later in today's show. So over the years, banks have gone from being dominant in the mortgage market to becoming basically a footnote. Today, depending on whose stats you believe from the industry, banks now account for only somewhere around 25, maybe 30% of mortgages issued. Why have banks become mostly irrelevant? Because their mortgages are generally a ripoff. Banks charge much, 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 much higher fees and usually higher interest rates than you're going to find elsewhere. Banks are slow, plodding, um, inefficient organizations. And so if you are looking for a mortgage for a house you're buying or looking for a refinance on a mortgage you already have, you need to go to where the smart money goes. And that is, number one, to credit unions. The irony of this is if you go back 20 years ago, credit unions were irrelevant in the mortgage market. Today, they're central to it. And credit unions, because they're owned by their members, are not trying to make a big profit on the mortgages. They're just trying to serve their members. And the number of mortgage products available is far more versatile with a credit union than it is with a stodgy old high-cost bank. But in addition to credit unions, mortgage brokers and non-bank lenders have become really, really important. Think about the endless ads you see for Rocket Mortgage as an example. Very, very modern, aggressive lenders that allow you to do so much with your smartphone. I mean, who could imagine you go in to talk with a bank about doing a mortgage and they give you a stack of papers you have to fill out and papers you've got to submit to them that pretty much is, this is a reference that people may not understand anymore. 
that is as thick as an old big city phone book. Yep, that's right. Phone books have gone the way of the dodo bird, but banks are still doing mortgages the blizzard of paperwork way. I love with the modern lenders that you submit documents on a portal on your phone. And that blizzard of paperwork that the inefficient banks require, that then has to be inefficiently processed at very high cost at the bank. So when you are looking for a loan, for a mortgage, know that you've got to be the kind of person who picks the right numbers in the lottery to be able to find a good deal doing a loan for a mortgage at a bank. Go where the smart money goes. Credit unions, non-bank lenders, mortgage brokers. And that's where you're going to get a better deal. I mean, eventually, segment by segment, banks are making themselves irrelevant to our wallets. Do you know I have not had a bank checking account in decades? I mean, it's not been relevant in my life at all because why would I be with one of those inefficient behemoths? The irony is through all the index funds I own, I own indirectly a lot of stock in these giant monster mega banks that I attack all the time. But there's a segment of the population that are creatures of habit and are used to how they've done things and they continue to be masochistic and be with these giant monster megabanks. But that's a choice you don't have to make. All right, Clark, let's get to some questions. This is from Maddie in California. In April of 2021, during a one-week period, I shopped around for mortgages. Instead of all the shopping showing up as one item on my credit report, each and every mortgage inquiry is showing up separately. This has caused my credit score to drop by 50 points. What can I do? So, Maddie, when I talk about the way it's supposed to work in the credit scoring models, it's not that all inquiries will merge into one. It will show all those inquiries you did, but it should not in any way have caused your credit score to drop by that number of points because doing mortgage shopping in a concentrated period, the credit scoring models treat is a single hard inquiry for a mortgage, not multiples. I have no idea what could be going on with your score that it could have dropped by 50 points, but it could be a couple of explanations. It could be that the credit scoring models did not process those applications as they should have, or it could be there's other factors that affected your credit scoring. I also don't know, Maddie, if you're looking at a Vantage score or you're looking at a real score, which would be a FICO. So I'd love it if you'd double back and let me know if the 50-point drop that you saw was a Vantage score or a FICO score. Um, Also, if you've not signed up for Credit Karma, 
it'd be a good idea to sign up for Credit Karma, and they'll analyze for you what are the factors that are making up your score. And you can also see potentially the hard inquiries that have taken place. From Mark in Idaho, I'm in the process of buying my first home. The appraisal is taking longer than expected. My lender chose a company to do the appraisal, and the company will not release the results of the appraisal to me. They want me to go through my lender. Does this seem reasonable to you? To me, it seems like if I paid for the appraisal, they should be willing to release the information directly to me. Mark, what you say is completely logical, and you are the one that has paid for this appraisal. The appraisal company looks at the customer as not being you, but being the lender that you have gone to. So the lender has to release it to you, but that's who you have to get it from. And I know that seems ridiculous, but that's the way it's been done for a long time. There are exceptions, but normally that's the way it's played. And Chris in Rhode Island says, I've received offers to roll my credit card debt into my existing mortgage, and it seems tempting. Is this ever a good idea, and under what circumstances? So, Chris, what you're talking about is looked at as a cash-out refi, where you take personal debt and you take it as debt against your home. So, it is tempting because the interest rate on credit card debt averages around 18%. The mortgage rate you're looking at is plus or minus 3%. And what could go wrong? Well, the difference is you're taking credit that's just against your name and you're putting your house at risk. Second, you're taking debt that, in theory, you can pay off in a short cycle and you're turning it into debt for 30 years. The third issue is I've found that often when people take credit card debt and roll it over into a mortgage is that you look 18 months later, many times they'll have credit card debt again. So yes, from an interest rate perspective only, it looks great, but you're raising the financial stakes in your life when you do it. And from Mike in Oklahoma, is it a good idea to change auto and or homeowners insurance companies every two to three years? Don't these companies quote the first year low to get customers and then ratchet up the rate each year? Mike, that's been people's suspicion for a long time. The odd thing in the auto and homeowners insurance market, though, is that loyalty is punished, not rewarded in auto and homeowners insurance. So people who are willing to reshop every couple of years end up saving substantial money over time. Now, there is the distinction, though, that is important with auto and homeowners insurance. Premiums are one thing. Customer service claims processing is another. And being with a company, the reason you have auto or homeowners insurance is for when the chips are down, when you do have a problem with a claim for your home or your auto. And so this is a cost versus quality thing as well. So price is not everything, but absolutely shopping like you do, where you potentially change insurers every couple or three years, will over time, from a premium standpoint, save you a ton. And I'm sure you've heard of what's known as your digital footprint. It's the little 
electronic pieces of you, the digital pieces of you that follow you. And now there's more and more stories where people are being harmed from something they said or did decades ago coming back to harm them right now. And I want to talk about what happened to one woman next. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I think about over the years how each of my kids as teenagers, I would basically bore them to tears talking about being careful with what they post online. And my kids are pretty far apart in age. And my oldest my youngest thinks was a teenager in prehistoric times. (laughs) They are 16 years apart in age, but it might as well be 600 or 6,000 as far as my youngest is concerned about uh, people in their 30s. So my oldest was in the era of something called MySpace. MySpace was big, 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 huge. Just like something called, what's that thing called? Bookface? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say it backwards. Facebook is like so old now, though, to yeah. like my teen. Uh, oh, my son says Facebook is for old people, like people in their 20s. <laughs> mm. Anyway, my oldest is uh, really clear now that she gets the whole thing that I was trying to tell her young self. My middle child isn't really listening to me on this. And my son, jury's still out. And it may not affect you at all. There was a belief for a while that there's so much stuff being posted by everybody that the impact on it on you intermediate term, long term, would go to nothing. But as I shared uh, before the pandemic, colleges were scraping people's social media posts, the high school students applying to their colleges, and turning people down who they might have accepted based on what was in their social media posts. But now there's more and more stories that people in their professional lives are being fired for what they may have posted in high school. And there's this idea that anything you post at any age, at any time, at any stage of your life becomes essentially frozen in time. 
that 15 years ago becomes instantly today. And there was no better example of that than something that got a lot of publicity where an AP reporter was fired because of stuff she posted as a kid. And she was a politically active kid and posted some pretty incendiary stuff about the um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it cost her her career, cost her a job. And this is something that you cannot emphasize enough, and it's not a single conversation. It is an ongoing conversation with your kids. And there will be teachable moments. The statute of limitations has run out now. So I can mention that my oldest posted on Facebook, I'm on MySpace, when she was 16, a picture of her holding a beer can. (laughs) That seems so harmless now. So harmless now. (laughs) But at the time, it was about a nanosecond before I knew about that picture on MySpace. And it led to some very valuable discussions with my then teenage daughter, who's going to kill me for bringing that up. But again, anything you post online, yesterday is today. 10 years ago is today. 20 years ago is today. And I have said it to my kids over and over and over and over again. You don't know what they hear. You don't know what sticks in their minds. But please have these continuous conversations with your kids, not a talk. An ongoing, depending on your kid, it may be a monologue you're having with them or it may be a conversation. But it's really important to think about something they post as a teen or preteen coming back to harm them a decade or two or three later, it happens. And in today's hypercharged political environment, think about just about anything you might take a picture of or any situation you might be in or anything you might post stream of consciousness without even thinking about it it can come back and bite you who knows how. All right, Clark, this is from Bobby in Georgia. I received a letter from a company we never heard of that says there was an incident that may involve an authorized access to some of your personal information in April. They discovered search patterns that indicated a malicious third party was using public-facing platforms to request certain information on individuals. Is this real? No, it is not, and I'm so glad you asked about this one. Um, there are several outfits doing what the Better Business Bureau writes about that are pretending that they're notifying you about an identity breach or a data theft of your personal information as a way of getting in your wallet. And what a sleazy practice when the reality is there are a lot of circumstances where we really do have to worry about a data breach or identity theft possibility or pattern of identity theft going on. And so there are things that you should be doing, Bobby. If there was any chance this was true, this one is absolutely a scam. But if there was any chance this is true, you immediately, if you've not done so already, 
freeze your credit. Freezing your credit is a really simple process. If you go to clark.com slash credit freeze, we walk you through how to get it all done in less than 15 minutes, and it's at no cost. Taz in Florida says, what is the best bang for your buck roadside assistance provider? Wow, this one's a tough one because people are really happy usually with their roadside assistance plan until they try to use it. (laughs) It can be very trouble prone using these. One thing that has been an oddball change in recent years is with a lot of car manufacturers, if you buy a new car, it's a benefit that they market very poorly. There may be roadside assistance, free roadside assistance included with your purchase of their vehicle. And it's weird. Nobody seems to know that who buys a new vehicle. Not every new vehicle manufacturer does it, but it's very, very common. By far the largest is AAA. AAA is set up on a regional basis and different AAA affiliates charge different amounts. Um, AAA also is inconsistent depending on where you are in the country and how long you have to wait for roadside assistance or a tow. Um, Consumer Reports makes a suggestion that you see if what's known as Good Sam Roadside Assistance is available from your car dealer is one that's a particularly good deal for people with multiple family members under one roof, a spouse and kids that are driving age, that that is uh, potentially a very good program. Um, Some credit cards provide some level of roadside assistance. You know that booklet they'll send you once a year telling you how much they love you with the benefits they offer? A lot of times the premium credit cards will offer some form of roadside assistance that is either really cheap or free for just so many times per year. And the other one that I had somebody um, post a comment about before that last time this came up I did not mention is that with people with OnStar that you may have access to roadside assistance either for free or really cheap through OnStar in a GM product. And from Bob in Virginia, I just want to share with listeners who are using Uber Eats that I ordered yesterday through the app, but changed my mind within a few minutes. I clicked cancel order and went on doing whatever I was doing. Later, I checked my email to notice they sent a notification, not in the app, that I got charged the full price as a cancellation fee. I didn't check their policy before ordering, and there was no type of warning that I'll be charged as I tap to cancel. Needless to say, be prepared not to change your mind when ordering through them. I don't know how much time went in between ordering and cancellation because they hide that information the minute the order is canceled. Bob, I hate this happened to you. There are two sides to this as well, though. The restaurant involved may have already started preparing the food, and the food may have been a total loss for them in between the time you ordered and when you canceled. The big thing I want you to know about, though, is using any of the food delivery apps is brutal to your wallet and awful for the restaurant. The fees that you have to pay, the fees that the restaurant have to pay, has to pay, that combination really sucks 
all the money out of your wallet and all the profit out of the restaurants. In addition, think how often by the time the food gets to you, it's soggy or cold. I am such a big fan of doing pickup myself where I'm able to eliminate the expenses for the restaurant. I'm able to eliminate the expenses for me. It's obviously not as convenient as waiting for an app delivery to be made to you. And truth be told, a lot of the people working for these apps aren't doing real well with their making either. So the convenience comes with very, very high costs for everybody in the mix when you order food using an app. And by the way, if you really love a restaurant, tell them that you love convenience. What is the way you should order food that they'll make the most money net from you ordering food? And I can tell you, typically, it's not going to be with any of the food delivery apps. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.